Well, today the ideas for marriage proposals abound. You may know whether through a romantic picnic or a restaurant date or a scavenger hunt or a message in a bottle or at the end of a slideshow of pictures asking the question, would you marry me in front of family and friends? But I'm sure you never heard of a proposal like the one we find in chapter 3 of Ruth as we continue our journey through the, the book of Ruth with this particular purpose in mind to look at the theme of redemption. We looked uh, two weeks ago um, to the need for redemption in chapter 1 as Naomi was facing a great loss. Both her husband and sons had died and she had come back from Moab. Now in chapter 2 we have seen that the redemption now had been provided through Boaz as Ruth was gleaning in the field, the portion of the, the field happened to glean, and we saw there the providence of God leading her toward Boaz. We saw also Ruth's loyalty, not only in leaving Moab and helping Naomi by working hard, we saw last time, but we also, a first turning point we witness last week as Ruth, under God's providential guidance, was led to that field of Boaz, who is a relative, who can act, as we saw, as a redeemer, to understand the cultural setting and also the Old Testament requirements of this law of Leverites. And now Naomi wants to repay the loyalty of Ruth somehow to help her find this husband, Boaz. And this indirectly would help Naomi too, as we saw in ancient society. Ultimately, it's through the sons or grandsons that provision was given for the family. And so Naomi thinks that Boaz needs some encouragement. So she pushes Ruth to propose, to come with this strange proposal. And Boaz responds positively. This is the second time that the two, Boaz and Ruth, are... Uh, in a dialogue together, things are getting closer and closer between the two. And we saw that this and the previous encounter between the two are almost parallel in structure. Interesting how Boaz and Ruth approach marriage actually in a blameless and a way of integrity. You have to remember that the book of Ruth happens during the time of Judges. And if you flip a few pages, you know that the book of Judges ends with this uh, Benjamite going to steal wives from the tribes because uh, they didn't have it. But because everyone was doing what was right in his own eyes. Now here we have God-fearing Boaz and God-fearing Ruth that wants to do things according to God's will. And they are willing to wait and there are customs in our text that are foreign to us. Uh, obviously, Naomi having this plan to uncover feet is very strange to the modern reader, and we shall see what that entails. But we must frame them in light of this commandment in the law of God that was given in Deuteronomy 25, verse 5. Deuteronomy 25, verse 5. This was actually part of the Old Testament provision. If brothers dwell together and one of them dies and has son, no son, the widow of the dead man shall not be married to a stranger outside the family. 
Her husband's brother shall go into her, take her as his wife, and perform the duty of a husband brother to her. So this was actually in obedience to the Old Testament commandment for Israelites. And so we have this, this strange proposal. And what we learn from this strange proposal is that propositive efforts, when pursued under God's will, can be blessed with big returns. And we look again at this redemption that not only was needed and was provided, but now we come to the redemption promised. As Boaz promised to redeem Ruth. And by redeeming Ruth, redeeming Naomi as well. Let us begin with the, noticing the fact in our text, the first five verses of chapter 3, that this was actually a planned promise. Naomi instructs, uh, wakes up one day and comes up with this idea to get Boaz to notice their situation of need as widows. And so he, t- he calls uh, Ruth and says, My daughter, it's about time I seek security for you. I seek rest or a home for you. In chapter 1, verse 9, you may recall that she had already wished the same for both his daughters-in-law, but only Ruth had actually come with Naomi. She had wished an abode where uh, her daughter-in-law can live, get settled, so that it may be well, so that she may be provided and taken care of. In other words, Naomi feels that because of Ruth's help, It is now her duty to see her daughter-in-law happily settle with a home and a family of her own. She's already connecting the dots. It's almost a saying, I have to give a little help to my daughter-in-law so that she gets this boss attention. Mothers-in-law, I don't know if it's the case here in the the South, but in Italy, they're very much active in this type of thing. good matchmakers uh, uh, in the old days. Uh, it's like a love story that, again, the mother-in-law gets in and tries to help. And in order to make this happen, we have Boaz, chapter two, uh, uh, chapter 3, verse 2, who is now gleaning with the with young women. Almost there's competitors here. Naomi rhetorically is asking this question, rhetorical question. He says, is he not our relative? Is he not our kindred? As we saw last week, Naomi understood the hand of divine providence. You remember that Boaz now is a relative and she had gone into the field and now she gives, seeks to give a little help to the situation. And she says, Boaz is winnowing barley tonight. Now winnowing was done often as a community in a little village like Bethlehem. Usually followed by festivities with a successful harvest. And the goal was to, as you winnow, you separate grains from the plant stalk. As the breeze blew, the unwanted lighter components and the heavier grain fell to the ground. And remember, we, we, were, we were in chapter 1. We started with the opposite of this. It was a famine. Now we have a harvest festival that is taking place. Things are getting better and better for Naomi and Ruth. And Naomi happens to know that Boaz is going to this festival at the threshing floor. It's almost like saying it's time to make our move. 
And verse 3 and 4, Naomi exhorts her daughter-in-law to take a shower, put perfume, and get the best dress. To take away, therefore, those dresses as a widow. To signify mourning. The purpose is obviously to impress Boaz. To show that and give this marriage proposal. He te he, uh, Naomi tells uh, Ruth to come in secret. Once uh, they had finished eating and then you go and uncover his feet. That's the challenging part for a text because again, we don't know what this uncovering is referring to. This, uh, in light of a possible connection to the kinsmen later, you know in chapter 4 that the kinsman will take off his sandal as a symbol of passing the right of redemption to Boaz. Chapter 4 verses 7 and 8. If that is the case then the posterity will be in view with the uncovering one's feet. Something that, fam that, that Naomi lacks. Posterity. And that later will actually lead to Ruth becoming the great grandma of King David in God's providence. So Ruth le here leaves Boaz's feet with no cover, exposed to the cold. This could be to wake him up from his sleep and then to give her proposal. Now, in our society, this could be equal to a girl giving a constant eye contact or playing with her hair, dropping hints that she is interested. I don't know how this uncovering feet can make sense, but some have speculated something else but this is not the case because we have a virtuous woman a woman of noble character and Boaz while there's no intention here the symbol obviously of marriage is there but they are being pursuing integrity as we shall see and Ruth obeys verse 5 is clear all that you say I will do she trusts her mother-in-law. But she's also incredibly compliant. And once again we saw last week. Providence is on the move. What we see here is therefore it is not wrong to move with it. To move ahead with the providence of God. Now this is not a license to mind other people's business. Or manipulate circumstances to your favor. I don't suggest honestly following this strategy of Naomi. For a marriage proposal. And sending his daughter-in-law to actually call the attention of this guy. Nor do I say that it's always wise to help people in the family. If it enables them to engage in irresponsible behavior. What we must do, however, is to help to meet the needs of others. Especially within family relationships. First Timothy 5, 8 it says that if anyone does not provide for his own, that is his own household. He has denied the faith. And is worse than an unbeliever. So if a brother or a sister lacks something and you just say, oh, go in peace, what good is it? There's such a thing as human responsibility. We saw last week the divine providence, but here we see responsibility that God may have placed you right in front of a situation in a family, even as broken as it is, because he has a purpose to use you to be his hand and feet. And Naomi models a way in which divine and human actions work together. Which is usually the way we should ascertain God's will for our lives. We are not to wait passively for events to happen. You begin with what's in front of you. And you start with what you, you got and just do something with it. 
because uh, there's so many ways in which we, you know, how to determine will of God for my life. And it's always waiting for some light instead of looking at the providential ordeal before your eyes and starting with God, what God makes clear in front of your eyes. And you find yourself, like Naomi, humanly mirroring God's hidden purposes. Now, we all know as a parent, old friend, or a relative who's looking for our best interests, probably. But few are willing to listen to advice of wiser people, elderly people like Naomi. Yet, it is invaluable. Because you look at Ruth and the story here, there's a loyalty, a selfless sacrifice, an honor toward her mother-in-law, deferring to those that are wiser than us. Placing their interests above their natural inclination. I mean, these things have become a rarity in our society, which are usually characterized by self-love, pride, abuse, or disobedience to parents, or unforgiveness, unbridledness, treachery. I mean, how many families, sadly, even in our midst, are broken because of this? And so, if those things characterize us, then we need to realize our need of change. That ultimately, we need the Lord to redeem us and our families. It is only those whose heart has been transformed, who find true rest for their soul, only the redeemed enter this rest that Naomi wishes upon Ruth. We do so by faith, friends. And so Ruth, despite the weird command from Naomi, stands out as the opposite example of a radical commitment to obedience. Whether she's actually outwardly part of the people of Israel or not, does not matter. The author of Ruth wants you to see that she's obeying. Whereas in Judges, again, they were really going to steal at the end of Judges in a way that it was inappropriate. So whether you claim to to be a Christian or not, your disobedience speaks louder than your words. Notice the priority of Ruth. is the good of others. Through and through, the good of others. Can you imagine what it would be for Ruth if she would have ignored the counsel of her mother-in-law? Let's look not only at this first aspect of the promise, which is, again, a planned promise as Naomi seeks to orchestrate things, but also a prevailing promise in verses 6 to 13, you, here you have Ruth proposing. She does exactly what she was instructed. And Boaz at this point has finished to eat. And she is uh, cheerful and sinks into a uh, sleeps. And it's the most ideal moment to, according to Naomi, for Ruth to make her move. And he goes and, and there she goes after secretly and uncovers his feet. However, Boaz awakes because of the cold. And, and what does he see? Behold, a woman lay, lying at his feet. Who are you? Verse 9 says. And Ruth responds, I am your maidservant. And, and look at the words of verse 9. Take me under your wings. Spread your wings. You remember last week? Boaz has given this wonderful blessing upon Ruth. And it, it, he said in chapter 2 that you have come under the wings of the Almighty. 
And now, it's almost as if Ruth is saying, you told me that, now be good on your promise. You take me under your wings. This uh, spread, spreading of the mantle was a sign of taking someone in marriage. And it is a parallel again to verses 11 and 12 of chapter 2. What Boaz promised to redeem, now Ruth requests. As we saw last time, God bears His people under His wings. Just like God spread His curse over Jerusalem in Ezekiel 16 verse 8. So now Ruth is pleading for marriage, but ultimately because she knows that behind this redemption through marriage comes a greater redemption, a greater finding refuge under the wings of Yahweh. So Naomi wanted to find refuge for Ruth. Ruth requests that Boaz be a refuge for these two widows. Almost as reminding Boaz of his words about being under the wings of God. And so she asked Boaz, be the instrument of that divine refuge toward me and my mother-in-law. Boaz, therefore, as a redeemer, is paralleling God. The wings of Boaz can be in the way in which the wings of the Lord are protecting Naomi and Ruth. And again, this helps explaining the meaning of uncovering the feet. The Boaz has a need of a wife, someone to be close to him, but Ruth proposes that he takes her under these wings in marriage. And the reason is because you are a relative, a guardian redeemer. Remember that word, Galel in Hebrew. This is the same word for redemption. The Boaz is more than a family member. He can actually reclaim her and her mother-in-law. Makes the restitution, as we saw, the duty of the male relative for the one who died, Malon and Kilion, and also Elimelech. Leaving her childless was to deliver her from childlessness by marriage. In this sense, Boaz is the deliverer. Because has the right of redemption over her, responsible for taking care of her, not just of her, but of her family, and therefore Naomi. Do you have such boldness in seeking the true redeemer for your problems? It's like the woman who suffered from bleeding in the New Testament for 12 years. And she said to herself, If only I could touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. And so she approaches the crowd, she presses on, and there she gets healed. And she gets discovered and then confessed before the Savior. But you see how this requires genuine faith. That you come boldly and cry like the blind man on the road. Lord, have mercy on me. Lord, come and redeem me. I'm telling you, cry out to him in faith and you will be saved. Realizing that ultimately this is pointing you and even Ruth to find refuge in the Lord, in Christ as the ultimate re Redeemer. Who will come through this family line later on. She found refuge under His wings. That Jesus is the ultimate promise delivered to Israel. That this story points to the ultimate Redeemer who shall see His offspring. That's why Isaiah says concerning Jesus Christ, which is all who will believe in Christ as true spiritual offspring, who ransom us from our slavery, bondage in sin, being foreigner to the Lord, banished from 
God's people. And now He places me and you under a new relationship. With Him as your master. As He bought us back, literally. Just like this redemption takes place. Just like another example is through the, the minor prophet of Hosea. Who goes and buys, redeems Gomer. His unfaithful wife in the marketplace. All of those Old Testament examples are a picture of what Christ does. Redeeming us and buying us back. And now we come to the answer of Boaz, verse 10 to 13. Boaz accepts. In fact, he's almost exhilarated. He says, blessed are you of the Lord, my daughter. He thanks God for a woman like this that has shown more kindness. Remember that word kindness, verse 10, is that loyal love that once again we saw in previous week. And that proof of this loyal love is at the end... Your kindness now is greater than in the beginning. Not only she left Moab to follow Naomi, but she even agrees to fulfill the law of the Leverites according to her mother-in-law suggestion. I mean, Boaz understand that she's behind this. You do not go after young men, poor or rich. She didn't look for beauty over need or duty. Ruth has put aside her personal desire. Which is a splendid expression of true love. And in verse 11. Boaz promised to redeem her. Do not fear. I will do what you request. Why? Because all the people of my town know that you are a virtuous woman. A woman of worth. A woman of excellence. A woman of noble character. Literally, we saw this word last week. As we were talking about Boaz. Who is described with the same words of capacity, but also of a character, noble character. And is the same word of Proverbs 31, verse 10. Which, remember, the book of Ruth comes right after Proverbs. An excellent woman, an excellent wife who can find she's more precious than rubies. So her story of Ruth exemplified this woman of Character outlined at the end of Proverbs 31. Who is a fine woman of capability, of strength, bravery, industrious, devoted to her family, concerned for others. Wonderfully being a real prize in the eyes of Boaz. Verse 12 to 13, there's a small complication to the story. In every story there's always a complication that makes, kind of raises your interest. Because here... Uh, there's a closer redeemer than I am. Boaz promised, however, to go quickly to resolve with this other relative. If he's willing, he'll take his place. Otherwise, Boaz promises that he will redeem Ruth. That's why William Booth once said, Work as everything depended upon work, and pray as everything depended upon prayer. The divine sovereignty of last week and the human responsibility of this week. As you faithfully persist, that faithful persistence brings to finding positive answers like here in the case of Ruth. That Ruth's perseverance, but also accompanied with her virtuous character, is driven ultimately by her law for God. That Boaz is just the instrument. That the fact that Ruth realizes that her action reflects the fact that she thinks of others above herself 
And if you want to reflect such noble character, you must focus on demonstrating concern for one another and respect, starting here with us in the church and everyone around you. And wouldn't it be nice that we, this would be said of us even in our town, that our reputation as believers is of being men and women of integrity, exemplary in everything we do. Men and women who are reliable, who keep their words, not resting until they fulfill their word. Husbands and fathers and of, that are men of characters, women and wives who are of noble virtues like Proverbs 31. And it doesn't happen, friend, with showy things. It happens with one brick at a time, one act of faithfulness at a time. And that is the people that stand out. Let us now look not only at the fact that it's a prevailing promise, but also a profitable promise. And we come to Naomi. He, we come back home. Verse 14 to 18. At early dawn, just before the dusk, Ruth goes back. So that it may not be known that a woman came to the threshing floor. I mean, people in small town talks. And so Boaz wants to avoid slanderous claim. And it is obvious that nothing sexual happened between these two, who are God-fearing people. We saw last week that Boaz, even here, proved to be generous. So he takes the mantle and fills it with grain, barley, presents, directed to Naomi. In verse 16, Boaz taught, Do not go empty-handed to your mother-in-law. It's almost a, a message to her. That he approved Naomi's hand in all this. And in verse 16 to 17, there at the end of our text, Naomi sees Ruth comes home. And he, she's asked, How did it go? How did it, how did it, did, are you, did it go successfully or not? And the response, it's very positive. Not only positive, but here's the gifts that he gave to us. And so, Look at verse 18 once again. This ladder of change from despair and bitterness in Naomi to in chapter 1. Last week, the, the, the glimpse of hope. And now you have the appreciation of verse 18. He's th she's thinking out loud here and says, Sit still, my daughter. Be patient. Stay put. Sit back and relax. Almost as there's an expectation for us as we read this story. And you'll see how the matter will turn out. It's a matter of a few hours and we'll find out. Because perhaps Naomi is related to him. Understands Boaz well. Understand that he's definitely interested in you. And almost as saying, mark my word, things will go well. She feels confident now that Boaz will respond positively. That, that ultimately... As our endeavor succeeds with bounty, the hope of Naomi grows with it. Chapter after chapter, replacing that bitterness, that Mara that we saw in chapter 1. Proverbs 25, verse 25 says, Like cold water to a weary soul is good news from a distant land. And what a sight of relief when your expectations are met like in this case. You marvel together at recent events. You think about how the Lord has been generous, answered your prayers the way 
things turn around, if you look back at your past experience, you see the hand of providence. Brothers and sisters, thank the Lord for that. And how true is this when we think even about the gospel? How we think about beautiful indeed is that in Jesus Christ, you have a family redeemer. Although God is holy and lifted up and we are foreigners to him and his grace, he humbled himself and came to this broken and poor earth to save us. That by his death, he redeemed us from sin and saved us from the same hopelessness that Naomi had found. He purchased us to be his own possession. And I know that this story, again, is a little bit awkward, okay? There is an awkwardness in this uncovering of faith and doing these things according to mother-in-law. But notice still the integrity of Boaz. I mean, the potential for sin in such context is high. But he doesn't respond. He could have said, you know, oh, Ruth, you're a prostitute coming here. He doesn't stress the fact that she's a foreigner, nor does he take advantage of her, nor does anything that would cause even the thought of sin. That is the way that they both Ruth and Boaz pursue complete chastity, honor and integrity in words and action. And this is completely foreign to our, our society today, which is sexualized. Everyone is obsessed with taking advantage of every opportunity for a personal gratification where people live together before marriage today. Or are more concerned on being caught than actually doing the right thing. And we have come to a level in our society in a few years of blatant defiance of the law of God. And regardless of all the non-biblical va values that permeate our culture... You see that in the same way that the book of Judges tells you how immoral, how sodomites had become Israel at the time, that you still have this couple pursuing purity in the way that we are, they're pursuing the Lord and one another. And so we must commit purity before and during marriage to act of integrity. It is not only possible, but it's preferable. And friends, other than the example of Joseph in Genesis with Potiphar's wife, this is the only case where we see this faithfulness regardless of the temptation. They, they, despite they should not have been in this situation, I, and as I said, Naomi had some weird idea here. This is the only biblical example of a couple being championed in sexual restraint. And again, you think of the book of Judges. Well, that was not the case when Sodom had come to the tribe of Israel. Even in the Bible Belt, there have been homosexual situations. And when, you know, in light of all this, you, you still obey the Lord. Your motives are pure. You respond according to God's standard. You're faithful no matter how faithless it gets around you. You seek to help people. To conform to the will of God. This is uh, again also notice a different Naomi than the one that we met weeks ago. It's a completely turnaround in the end of this text. Uh, from despair to hope. There's no more bitterness. When she first heard of Boaz last week. Her hope was renewed. And now she gave feet to hope. By stirring her daughter-in-law into action. And what did it come out? She received answers to her prayer. 
So, friends, redemption has been promised here. And there's so many ways in this story could have gone wrong, I'm telling you. Naomi could have just fed on Ruth gleaning until death. Ruth, not being obligated to stick to the plan, could have jeopardized the situation. Boaz might have become offended by the proposal and cut the two widows off. Instead, things work out as they should, all because of God's providence. That God is indeed involved in the day-to-day -day joys and hardship of our life. And here in the story, because of this Boaz, redemption comes. All because of this loyal love from God and from people involved in the story. All because of true covenanting faith expressed in loving action, promoting the well-being of others, like Ruth does. Friends, when this is in place, prosperity and blessing follow. And so may we all be characterized by such virtues and powerful faith. In this, Ruth's message remain timeless, friends. That it ultimately points to a greater Redeemer. That is why we sing in the words of the hymn, I will sing of my Redeemer and His wondrous love for me. That on the cruel cross He suffered from the curse that set me free. Sing, go sing of my Redeemer. With His blood He's purchased me. On the cross He sealed my pardon, paid the debt and made me free. 